Hi, and welcome to the Connected Parenting Podcast. Today, I wanted to talk about something that's really important, but very hard to do, and that's maintaining neutrality. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Caleri. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week, and we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So being neutral with your kids, not getting too upset and angry, not getting too uh, pleading and like, please cut it out. Could you stop? Could you please do this for me? You've got to find this wonderful place right in the middle where you believe yourself. So when you're parenting your child and you're thinking, oh, dear God, let's just get through this dinner. I hope this works. Or, oh, please just let them behave in this restaurant. Or, oh, I hope they don't act out. When we are um, coming from a, a, a position like that, our children are gauging their response based on ours. They're watching us and they feel what we're feeling. So if we are projecting this idea that we don't think they can do it, or it's probably not going to go well, or, oh, what's going to happen? And we're sort of parenting from that pit in our stomach. Um, Children are far more intuitive than adults. They'll pick it up. You're broadcasting that. And they'll either get nervous themselves, which will add to their um, difficulties controlling themselves, or they'll be like, hmm, okay, there's uh there's something going on here. I have a little bit of leverage. You know, mom or dad are really worried. They want this to go well. So I can maybe get something out of this if I misbehave. Or it certainly gives me a lot of power. And not that it's always that conscious. Um, but children are very, very aware of that dynamic. So one of the most important things in connected parenting is to stay neutral, which I know how hard this is, but it's incredibly important. So let's assume always in any interaction with your child that you're using the calm technique first. You're using the mirroring that we've talked about in previous episodes. If you want to know more about it, go to my website, connectedparenting.com. There's lots of uh, information on mirroring there, upcoming parenting courses, but I'm going to assume that at least you have a basic grasp of that. So if you don't, go back maybe and listen to some of the earlier podcasts that will help you out. Um, And the assumption is that you're going to connect before you correct. So whatever's going on with your child, you're going to connect with them first. You're going to step into their shoes first to get everybody calmed down. After that, you have to stay really neutral. Um, In one of the other podcasts, I know I've talked about this a couple of times, I've spoken about the brain and how important it is to understand that sometimes our children will medicate themselves on our anger. So they've been holding some stuff in all day, they're agitated or irritated, or they're feeling the need to release some energy, Um, and they will often act up, be silly, defy us, to get us mad, so that we get upset, so that they get a blast of adrenaline. And that blast of adrenaline actually stimulates the frontal lobe, stimulating their brain, bringing that brain into balance, uh, so they can actually calm down and feel a little bit better while we are complete dish rags on the floor. So we're also going to assume that you have um, understood why it's so important to stay neutral. And you can go back to to previous podcasts uh, to find out more about that. But let's start with how important it is to stay neutral. So the first thing that's really important to understand is if we have trouble controlling our own emotions, then our children are looking at us and going, well, she can't do it. He can't do it. So I'm eight. So what what chance do I have of being able to keep it together? So we have to really show our children, we have to lead by example. So when we are able to 
maintain control over our own emotions, we are demonstrating to our children that it is possible, not only possible, but it's expected. And that's how we roll in this family, or that's how we do things. or that's the, that's the goal. Um, and certainly people get upset and you can be very understanding and, and mirroring that. Uh, but we want to show that we're in control. Um, the other thing that's so important to understand is we're tall, we're big, we're scary. We have all the power. We feed them, we house them, we keep them uh, safe. And when we are angry, we are scary. We don't feel like we're scary. We know we love them. We know we're not going to do anything. But it's really frightening to be yelled at when you're a small child or even a teenager um, when an adult is screaming and yelling at you. It's a pretty intimidating thing. And we rarely um, see ourselves the way other people see us. So when we're really angry, we don't realize how angry we are. Um, if we were ever using a nanny cam on ourselves, we would probably fire ourselves. We'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I sounded like that, or that's way meaner than I thought um, I was being, or my voice was so much nastier than I thought that it was. So we just have to be aware um, of how we are being received when we speak to our children that way. And we, we often will talk to our children in ways that we would never tolerate someone speaking to us. You know, you would not go to someone's house and they'd say, well, hang up your coat. What, were you born in a barn? Hang that up. We would, I'm never coming back here. What a horrible, we would be so upset. And yet we talk to our children like this all the time in ways all the time that we would not be able to understand. No one likes to be controlled. No one. Um, and children are no different. They do not like to be controlled and we don't like to be controlled. And if you happen to have a child, that's what I call a gladiator. One of those kids that just has such a strong sense of self that just wants to push back on the whole world and doesn't like to be told what to do and doesn't like to be um, uh, boxed in. They're going to have an even more difficult time with you trying to control them. Um, children simply do not like that any more than adults do. And you have to remember that kids, kids think they know what they're doing. They're leading their lives, making decisions all day long, what they think is right, what they think is wrong. They're operating from this principle where they feel like they've got it all figured out and you're interfering with that. You're coming in and messing things up and they don't like that. They're not going to smoothly move right along behind you like little ducks in a row. It just doesn't work that way. Um, we wish that it did. We would like things to work that way, but they really don't. And so a lot of the upset and a lot of the tension that happens with us as parents is because it's not working out the way we think that it should work out. I've said this, therefore, we do this every day, therefore, and when our kids don't follow us, it's incredibly exasperating, especially when it's the same thing happening over and over and over again. So the best thing to do with your kids is to find common ground. And that's where the mirroring comes in first. So if you're having your kids sit down for dinner and they don't want to eat what you've made, or you have to turn the computer off because it's time for them to do their homework, or it's time for them to brush their teeth, a lot of the transitions that we have to go through every day and multiple times a day with our kids are where a lot of the frustration and pushback and arguing uh, happens. And it's where a lot of our exasperation happens because we just wanted things to go a certain way and it didn't. And that expectation that it was going to work out and it didn't is so frustrating for us, but we've got to find that common ground. So, you know, you say to them, okay, you know what? I didn't know you were on this level. That's so cool. Look, oh, look, is that you? Oh my gosh, that's your score. You get in there a little bit with their video game 
join with them around what they're doing. And then you say, you know what? I get it. I get what, you know what? This is a pretty exciting game. I get why you don't want to turn it off. But you know what, Dolly? It's part of life. We got to do it. We've got your homework that we have to do, or we've got dinner that we have to eat. I trust you. I believe in you. I know you're going to make a right choice. I'm going to be back in a second and then we'll turn it off. Um, And often that will work very well. Sometimes it won't. And when it doesn't, then turn it off. Um, And that's when they're screaming and yelling and you can mirror and you can empathize and say, you know what? I told you this would happen. You knew that you had to make this choice. We've got to do certain things during the day. I'm sorry that's happening. You know, throw yourself on the ground, get upset if you have to, but it's not going to work because it's time for the TV to be off or it's time to go to bed or it's time to brush your teeth. Um, But you start with the common ground. You start with the expectation that you know they'll make the right choice, that you believe in them, um, and that you think they're going to make the right choice. When we approach our kids and we are thinking, this is not going to work. They're going to do this to me again. There's no way this is going to work well. I just know what's coming. And we're already having that dialogue in our heads before we even have the interaction. Um, when we feel that way about our kids, when we're thinking about the fight, when we're thinking about what's going to go wrong, they're going to show us. That's exactly what's going to happen. They're going to show us that side of themselves. When we approach a situation and we're thinking, pretty sure this is going to go well. I've done my mirroring. I believe in my child. I'm sure this is going to be much easier than it was yesterday. You're sort of envisioning it going well. At least you're approaching the situation not already in the fight. Now that's not you know, a hundred percent, just they're going to sense that you're feeling calm. So they'll behave themselves. Probably not. Um, a good part of the time it will work, but there will be lots of times and it won't work, but at least you're entering the interaction, uh, in a way that's far more neutral, uh, than the way that you started. So kids will often mirror back to us what we think is going to happen based on the energy that we're entering that interaction with. Uh, They're so tuned in, they're so sensitive to us that they will often go, well, I know where this is going. I can tell by her face she thinks it's going that way, so let's just do it. Um, And it's certainly not that conscious, but it becomes this dynamic. It becomes this dance that everybody does and they're just used to doing it and everybody's brains are sort of firing in this similar way all the time Um, that it's so important as a parent um, to just do something different. Just just try something else. You know, I I say to parents, if you walked into a, a room And there's a giant pole in the middle of the room and you smacked your forehead on it. What would you do next time? Well, you'd go around the pole. But as a parent, we often will just stand there and smack our heads against the same pole over and over and over again, doing things exactly the way we have always done it, wondering why it's the same result every time that we do it. It becomes this familiar dance. So often it's a matter of where are we focusing our attention? What are we paying attention to? What are we seeing? So the brain has something called the reticular activation system. And that part of the brain, it's like a neural net. There's a lot of data uh, bombarding our brains all the time, sounds, noises, um, things we're smelling, tasting, it's, it's everything that's all around us. Our brain would become overwhelmed if we paid attention to absolutely every piece of that data. So what happens is the brain kind of filters things out and it will pull from what's happening around us things that are relevant to us, things that that our brain has decided are important. So we'll, we'll often experience these things as a coincidence. For example, someone will say, 
oh, you got to read this book. It's amazing. It's the best book I've ever read. And you'll suddenly see a bus go by with, you know, the title of that book, or you'll see someone on a park bench reading it and go, oh, that's such a coincidence. And, and it may be, but it also may be that you've seen that book many, many times before, but because it wasn't relevant to you, because your brain had not tagged it, it didn't get pulled into your consciousness. So when we walk around with an idea that our child is always difficult or always rude or always the one causing the problem, and they very well may be a lot of the time, but not all the time, there may be plenty of times during the day when that child says, okay, go ahead, or sure, you go first, um, but we don't pay attention. Our brain doesn't tag it. Our brain isn't actually searching for that information. It's only noticing the negative stuff that we have decided is true about that person or about that child. So it's actually really important to reset your own brain as a parent. Uh, wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to look for the times that my child actually does listen to me today or does something kind today or sort of listens to me today or approximates the behavior that I'm going to be hoping for today. And as you start to look for those things, you will notice that they're there and you'll be able to reward your child. You'll be able to catch them being good, they will feel good because they can show you that they can do it. And you start to notice um, that that's actually happening. And that can be one of the greatest ways to start stimulating change in a child's behavior. And one of the recommendations I, I make around this is, is doing what I call, is creating what I call an accomplishment book. So you go to a, a store and you buy like a great little journal with blank pages um, and you sort of, uh, something that they're interested in, maybe whatever they like star Wars or they like fairies or wizards or whatever it is. Um, and in that book, you and your partner, your spouse, you and your spouse or your partner are actually writing down moments during that day where your child has done something that was great or something kind or something funny or something thoughtful. Um, and then you, you don't write a lot because children love to read this and they love to have you read it to them over and over and over again. And I suggest making this part of the bedtime routine. So you sit in bed and you read uh, some of the wonderful moments for the day and kids love this. So don't write a lot because you're going to be adding each day and you don't want to be there for five hours reading these things. Um, so maybe two or three entries, never put anything negative in it, only the good stuff um, and really collect those. And so there's two reasons why I think this is important. One it rewrites the story of that child. It helps them see that there is so much more to them and there's so much more to their behavior, which I think is so important. But but even more so, it rewrites it. But it also helps us. It helps us to um, look for and find and search for those behaviors. And so as we do that, you'll see your child will rise to that. They'll try to match that. A little bit and if you just try to collect the good stuff and you feed it back to them it's not as immediate it's not as dramatic but over time you will see they will start to rise they will start to rewrite the story of how they see themselves and you will rewrite the story of how you see them so I'll share a few tips on how to stay neutral it's very easy to talk about it's not so easy to do it's one of the hardest things about connected parenting but really one of the most important um, and I, I sort of say to parents, you know, if you've got a child that's acting out and screaming and yelling and, um, and you're screaming and yelling, then they're literally looking at you going, well, forget it. I don't have a chance because I'm not even an adult. Look at them. They can't even figure it out. So it's so important for us to demonstrate to our children the behavior that we're looking for. And if we can't do it, how can they? 
and and really just stepping into that position where you understand it's so what we're asking them to do cut it out calm down stop screaming we can't even do that that's really hard to do so we have to commit to this so that our children can watch us and learn that it's possible so a few things really help and i think i talked about this in other podcasts certainly breathing relax your breathing. If you're breathing really intensely, if you're, and you're breathing like that, you're sending a signal to your brain that you're in danger. It's going to shut off your frontal lobe and you're going to be reacting to your child instead of responding to your child. And that never goes well. So slow down your breathing, relax your tongue, um, let your stomach muscles go loose, drop your shoulders. Just, just try to sort of calm your whole body down, look away or walk away. If you have to go collect yourself for a moment. Um, you can, there's nothing wrong with walking away and saying, I'm, you know what? I don't like the way I'm sounding. I'm just going to take a second. I'm going to, I'm going to get myself together. That's great modeling for your child. It's wonderful for them to see that you're trying to control it. Um, try to think about, um, all the things you love about your child, run the slideshow through in your head about their cutest moments, the things that you love about them, just force your brain to focus on different things. See if you can find anything you can do to shift out of that moment um, when you are really, really angry, and I know I've said this before in, in uh, previous podcasts, but when you're really angry and it feels fantastic what's coming out of your mouth, if it feels great, it's wrong. It should not feel great. It should not be a free flow. It should feel like it's stuck in your throat, like, oh, I just, oh, like you're just pushing it back down. So if you can feel yourself fighting with yourself, then you know that you're still in control. If you are free flowing, then you are not in control <laughs> and it's probably best if you have, um, you know, a husband or a wife or a mother-in-law or someone who can take over, um, let them take over. You know, if they say, Hey, you know what, why don't I jump in here and take over? Don't say, I got this. Because if you're acting like that, you don't have this. Um, you need to <laughs> walk away doing your best to, uh, put yourself in your child's shoes you know, imagine if, you know, they're upset about something being broken or not working or a piece of art that didn't turn out. And then imagine something you were trying to do at work or a project you were trying to do around the house and it fell apart or it broke. Um, and somebody coming in saying, cut it out, get control of yourself. You know, how would that feel? Do, do anything you can to find a way to keep your frontal lobe active. That's the part of the brain that inhibits, organizes, prioritizes, sees the big picture. Uh, really looks at the whole situation. And this is very difficult. This is not an easy thing to do, especially if you're exhausted and tired and it's the 15th thing that's happened that night. Um, I do want people to remember that, you know, when you blow it and you're going to blow it, I blow it, everybody does, you can go back and you can repair, you know, hey, remember yesterday when I told you to go live at the neighbors because you wouldn't put your snowsuit on? I didn't actually stop and think about what that felt like and what you were trying to tell me. It's perfectly okay to go back and repair. It actually shows your child that you're thinking about things. You're listening to them. You're trying to understand their perspective. Um, and you're doing your best just like you expect them to. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's, you can't be perfect at this. You wouldn't want to be perfect at this. You have to be real at it. And you're going to have some days that are better than others. And you're going to wake up every morning trying to do your best and hoping um, that that brings out the best in your child. So hopefully this was helpful. Um, it is certainly not easy to do, but it is so worth doing. It is so worth doing. And if you can't think about doing it for your child, then think about doing it for yourself. Because at least if you are calmer, no matter what's going on around you, if you can find a place 
where you just see the big picture and you know this is all just part of what's going on and these years are going to fly by and these are actually the moments you're probably going to miss one day when your kids are off at school. Whatever you can do to put yourself in that perspective, you will be happier, <laughs> your body will be healthier, you're going to feel better, your, shoot, your, your fuse is not going to be as short. Um, it is a lifelong pursuit to try and control these things, um, but absolutely the greatest gift that you can give your child, but also yourself. So thank you for listening today. There will be a lot more coming in future podcasts. And in the meantime, good luck. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Barrett Kaleri from Connected Parenting. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. And don't forget to check us out on the web at connectedparenting.com and like us and follow us on Facebook.